Hi, I'm Dave Westberg, and you're listening to the Billboard Insider Podcast, where I interview industry leaders about trends impacting the U.S. out-of-home advertising business. This podcast is sponsored by Adomni. Adomni, increase your revenue today by listing your digital billboard on Adomni. Today's guest is Claude Dix, president of Allison Outdoor, an independent out-of-home company with 1,270 out-of-home faces and 29 digital billboards in North Carolina and Georgia. Welcome to the show, Claude. Hey, Dave. Glad to be here. Great to have you on the show. Claude, you have an interesting path into out-of-home. If I remember right, you started in journalism and then did radio and then migrated to out-of-home. How did that happen? Well, Dave, I'd always grown up wanting to be a sports broadcaster and wanting to be like Jim Nance and broadcast the Masters and the Final Four and, and Super Bowl. And so I'd, I'd kind of took that path and, and felt a, a strong calling to that all the way back when I was 12 or 13. And I, I pursued it really all the way till I was about 30, 31 years old. I went to school, got a journalism degree, broadcast journalism, and then did a, a number of minor league baseball, college sports, and made my way down to Charleston, South Carolina. And I was working for a radio station down there or a group of radio stations. Everywhere I went, I had to sell advertising. So I'd been selling radio advertising and minor league baseball advertising since I was about 20 years old in some form or fashion. So I'd had, by the time I got into the billboard business, I'd had about 12, 13 years of, of sales under my belt. But as the broadcasting went on, I, I met my future wife and, and priorities kind of changed. And I felt more of a calling towards ownership and, and management. And my father and I we were looking at, at buying a radio station back in about 2007, and we were doing due diligence. And the day after we did interview for due diligence, that's when the stock market dropped seven, 800 points. And we kind of took that as a sign. Do you, do you realize how fortuitous that was, Claude? Because 35% of the revenue went out of the radio market in 2009 and has stayed out. I mean, imagine taking a third of the revenue out of a market and keeping it out, a rather fortuitous turn of events. Well, it, it really was, and, and I, I feel blessed. I feel like the Lord has kind of led me down different paths, and yes. and, and He's kind of protected me in, in, in that sense. And, you know, the cool thing was my, my grandfather, he was in newspapers. He started newspapers. He wow. started radio stations, and then he got into billboard. And when people say, you know, this guy goes way on back and it might be in the, the late 70s, early 80s, someone might be in the business. He started back in the, the late 50s, early 60s. And, and so he had had a very large, my grandfather is called George Outdoor Advertising. Mm -hmm. And by the time he was about 62, which was in the early 80s, he had sold everything off except for the Allison Outdoor portion, which is in the western North Carolina, northeast Georgia section. And he had held on to that all the way up till his death. And, and it had been in the family since, you know, the, the early 70s. And we had a sales position opening and, and he was helping in the radio, trying to buy the radio station as well. And he called me back after the radio thing kind of died a little bit. He said, we've got a great opportunity for you, and you could kind of achieve some of those goals of, you know, one day running a running a company, and it, it might not be the way you planned it, but uh, we've got an opportunity. And 
And so he kind of laid the groundwork and, and we took a look and, and I moved into one of our markets that Allison was serving and uh, did that for a couple of years and then moved into the sales manager spot where I was for seven years. And then just this past year, you know, took over the reins as, as running the company. Wow. There are some out-home companies that also own radio or TV. I think of Tyler in Oklahoma. I think of Malman Media out more towards the east, Shamrock Outdoor. There's also another little company in Pennsylvania that's been buying newspaper. Do you think there's synergies between either newspapers and out-of-home or broadcasting companies and out-of-home? Well, I, I would certainly think, and again, you know, when, when radio gets in your blood, it kind of stays there. Mm -hmm. uh, and much like out of home, I mean, you get into the business, it's like, this is a great business. And I could certainly see from a radio and billboard standpoint, because you've got the, you got the site on the billboard and you got the sounds of radio. Yes. I, I know. And, and just trying to sell radio, people would always be asking, well, I never hear my ad or mm -hmm. different things like that because you got to be tuned in at the top of the hour, or, you know, wherever the spot breaks are and, and be listening. And it's got to be that that time. And, you know, it's selling air. And with billboard, you can drive down the street, you know, two miles on the left and, and you'll see your billboard and you'll see all the people driving by with the potential to, to see it and, and go do business. So I, I have found that billboards are an easier sell than radio. I've hmm. never had to sell newspaper, but... Uh, let's come back to that. Is it because they're tangible? How, why are billboards an easier sell? Well, I, I think, one, the the value is there that, yes, I, I see people at five o'clock stopped on the side, of, you know, stopped on the road, and there's nothing to do except mm -hmm. for, you know, maybe look at your phone a little bit, but peek up and, and look around and mm -hmm. see, you know, these these great big billboards. And, and again, my radio experience, I was in Charleston, South Carolina, working for a four station AM group that just did specifically sports and news talk in a market that probably had 30 FMs as well. So wow. it was a very competitive market. So we had to, you know, find our niche. But, you know, I th so I think that was another another way of, mm -hmm. you know, billboards have, have been an easier sell. Mm -hmm. Claude, Allison Outdoor was involved with the movie Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing. How did you get involved with that movie? You're not in Missouri. It's Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. But they chose you. How did that all come about? I, I don't know how they do the site visits, but Silva, North Carolina, has been home to a number of different movie shoots other than three billboards. The Fugitive was shot. A number of scenes were shot in and around Silva. They've had the Hunger Games, and they also had The Last of the Mohicans have been in and around the area. But we got a call. Our, one of our sales reps had good relationships with some of the Lamar sales reps in Asheville. And we are about 50 minutes outside of Asheville, North Carolina. And the movie folks called the Lamar, either the sales rep or one of their representatives and asked about it. And apparently they said we couldn't do it, but they recommended, you know, that we do it because most of our billboards are, are stick built yes. billboards. Yes. And they called us up and we said, gladly, we, we'd love to help. And and who knew that it was going to to take off like it did? Yeah. And I mean, it, it was it, it was great publicity yeah. for for Allison Outdoor, yeah. great publicity for the billboard industry, and 
And I think our guys had, I mean, for our operations crew, it was just a, another day. The funny thing is they actually built the billboards where we built them was in Black Mountain, North Carolina, which is on the other side of Asheville. So it was about an hour and a half drive for hmm. our guys. Hmm. But most of the scenes were shot in downtown Silva, and then they would go out to Black hmm. Mountain where they'd have the scenes of, of the billboards. Now t- talk about the billboards. They weren't normal, were they? No. They, well, I'm not sure if uh, we, we grabbed our materials yeah. that, that we put up on our, our billboards yeah. and yeah, I think they were, uh, I don't know if they were actually poster faces or just uh-huh. kind of vinyl wraps, right. but we built it like we would have built any other billboard. W- what size? Were they like 10 and a half by 36? Were they special size or 14 by no, 48? I, no, I, I think they were more poster panels, so yes. they were more oh, okay. like 12 by 24. So Yeah, I also noticed they were quite close to the road. You probably couldn't build a, a sign that close to the road today under most sign codes today. No, no, you couldn't. It, and in fact, you know, the guy said it it, it was in the yeah. middle of a, you know, cow field yeah. with probably tw- 20 cars going by. And yeah. I, always get a, uh, I always get a kick out of it because yeah. I've watched the movie a couple of times yeah. and, and they're going in saying, you know, how much will the boards be? And I've got, yeah. I'll pay cash. And, yeah. You know, they were pricing it like $2,000 oh, uh, a purchase. So it was pretty, <laughs> I was like, well, We'd be making a lot more money if we could charge that yes. right here. But what happened to the billboards after the movie? From what I've been told, one of the movie producers or one of the guys that that worked on it took the materials, took it back to his farm in Tennessee, and is using part of it <laughs> as a shed or yeah. to cover whatever he's got on his farm. So you know, I'm not surprised because uh, a lot of old vinyl gets repurposed that way. Well, I, I tell you what, we get folks calling all the time, especially yeah. when it's time to bail hay and different things like that yes. to, to cover things. Yes. They're calling us up, and we gladly hand it out for a small nominal fee. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But finals are very durable, and that guy is got a little movie history there. Fascinating. You mentioned repurposing vinyl. I know the OAAA has to deal with Rareform, where they're encouraging their members to send the vinyls to Rareform and then Rareform turns it into bags or surfboard bags or wallets. I have a wallet, a Rareform wallet, which is recycled vinyl, which is kind of cool. It is. And you go to the billboard conventions and there are, you know, bags of, of old vinyls. And I've even seen people wearing dresses made from repurposed <laughs> billboard vinyl. So I think it'd be a little hot for me, yeah. but uh, yeah. who knows? Talk about the gun billboard controversy. What was that all about? Well, that, yeah, that, that was a fun time. And I know I've talked to you before this and, and it was perfect timing. I was on a family vacation about 2000 miles away when everything kind of hit. Oh my. You know, our policy has typically been with billboards that might be stretching the bounds, whether you think it's fine or not to always kind of run it up the flagpole. It's always kind of been one of those unwritten rules. And unfortunately, that never got run up the the flagpole and it went up and it got on social media and started making the news and just for our listeners sketch out what exactly was the billboard well it was a gun store in murphy north carolina calling the said the four horsemen of the apocalypse are are idiots and Mm -hmm. it had the picture of the freshman Mm -hmm. 
the freshman for the liberal Congress. Woman. Yeah, the yeah. squad. Right. And so that, you know, that started making news and mm-hmm. I'm getting texts from my friends on, on a, you know, first day, <laughs> day off that I have saying, Hey, is this you guys that I'm seeing on the news Yeah, yeah. and on, on the local news and on the radio and, I knew we had a little bit of an issue at that point and not really knowing what it was. And I think our team handled it really well because we started getting inundated with emails and phone calls for about three days straight. And at one point we had to turn off the phones because we were getting so many, so many phone calls. And, wow. and I made the mistake because we had been talking with the, the gun owner mm-hmm. because his family had started getting threatened. Mm-hmm. And so he, he wanted us to change up the, the billboard mm-hmm. very quickly after after the board went up. And mm-hmm. I think had I done it, would have done it over again. I was getting frustrated seeing all the bad messages coming across social media. So I decided on our Allison Facebook page to make a post saying that the board was coming down. But mm-hmm. it was after we had already talked with the gun owner who was requesting that it come down. We were just working on new artwork in the meantime yes before the next one went up and that took a couple of days oh. to get the artwork straightened out and so then it, it kind of made us look from both sides of the political aisle depending on you know who you talk to mm-hmm. it, it we, we were squarely in the middle which is not the place you ever want to be like this and we were kind of getting beat, beaten up on both sides. But the, the great thing is, and again, this has been a year of transition for our company, just with so many different management changes. I, I thought we've handled it well. And, mm-hmm. and certainly moving forward, we've, we've done some nice things to make sure that these kinds of situations don't, don't occur again. Yep. Let's take a break here for a word from our sponsor. Adomni easily connects with Dectronics, Formedco, PrismView, or Watchfire billboards and enables advertisers and agencies to quickly find and buy your unsold billboard space. With Audience IQ technology, advertisers can target consumer profiles such as demographics, behavior, and interests that travel past your billboards. Join the fastest-growing out-of-home network with over 100,000 digital screens. Visit adomni.com or email sales at adomni.com to learn more. Mention this Billboard Insider podcast to receive one free year of Adomni's white-labeled booking engine on your website. Claude, what did you learn from what happened? Because, you know, this is there's two interesting things about content like this. One is you always have to have an eye on local. How is the content going to be received locally? But also, we're in now a social media world where any billboard anywhere in the country can blow up. And it's almost like you have you have to think about how will this be received in my market, but also how will this be received in a, a big market? Exactly. And the majority of the negative comments on both sides of the aisle, if you will, were coming from people outside of Murphy, North Carolina and, and Western North Carolina, which is which is the crazy thing, because they can get on Facebook on the Facebook page and say whatever they, they want to. And, but what, what we learned from it and we've gotten it enacted was we, again, we'd had this unwritten kind of rule on, on creative and what can and can't go up. And it needs to, you know, be conformed to, to the, you know, local standards. And, you know, we took, we talked to OAAA. I talked to some of our friends in the billboard business. Mm-hmm. 
got some stuff from the the big three that that I could find mm-hmm. online about their creative policy, and really just took a, a lot of that and just just put it down. So you can't really call out individuals or call them idiots or mm-hmm. th- right. things of that nature. And and you know we are now got things in place, and and the sales guys know that really if you know any kind of politically motivated speech mm-hmm. has to run by us first then we will ab- apply the different steps that we have and mm-hmm. and so far because you know the gun the gun store owner who put the the billboard up we've been working with him for five years and, yeah. and yeah. He, he he you know he's put some stuff up that yeah. that you know probably tweaked a few people but yeah. not to the extent that, right. that this did right and you know we had to have a a good conversation about you know what's going to be going up in in the future and yes. and we've we've worked with him he's thrown out some ideas and then we've come back and and take his idea and and kind of uh, tweak it a little bit good for you so far it, it's it's working mm-hmm. we haven't made too much news since then so mm-hmm. hopefully we're we're doing things a little bit uh, better good you've got 29 digital billboards how do you decide where to install and when to install a digital or when to convert a static billboard to a digital? We look at a couple of criteria. Part of it, if we've got digitals in the market already, and again, most of these are very small towns, so one or two digitals is going to be ample. But we have found where we've got two or three digitals in a small market and we may need one or two more because hmm. we are, if not sold out, generally sold out for the most part. And we think we can continue to do well. That's part of our criteria that, that we look at. And then if we go into a market where our rates maybe are a little bit lower than, than other areas, we may end up maybe doing a smaller digital just from a cost standpoint to help our, our return on investment even if it could support a, a larger digital, we may go with a little bit of a smaller one just because we know we will get our money back sooner and get everything you know paid mm-hmm. off sooner. So and mm-hmm. and really in some of our more traditional markets of, of North Carolina and northeast Georgia, we've we've built out pretty well. We've sent in the last five years we've invested heavily in digitals and there's a few markets that are still not open for digitals right now. So we're beginning that process of really working from a political standpoint to, to just try and come up with a, a, a good solution. And some markets that were a little against digitals, we went in and, you know, we told the city or the county, look, we'll give you a free advertising slot on the, the digital if we can have a variance. Mm-hmm. And that has gone that has gone over really well. And Terrific. that is a, a good sign that people are open to that or cities and counties are open to it. What automated sales platforms are you using to help sell space and what have you learned? Right now we we have Blip and we are a part of the IBO uh, mm-hmm. marketplace mm-hmm. through Apparatics. So Adomni, we are hooked in with them, but we have just been hooked in with them for mm-hmm. probably less than two weeks now. Mm-hmm. And Vistar is, is part of that. And I believe there are some other folks who might be. That quick soon to be, I understand. Yeah. Yes, that's that's what I've been told. And so far, Blip has been our main main source from the programmatic standpoint. We've been working with them for probably about two years now. Hmm. And we've seen small, moderate, you know, revenue from them. Mm-hmm. 
that certainly does not hurt because the way we're set up with blip, mm-hmm. we can, if we're sold out, then we can, blip doesn't run. But right. generally we will have some availability and, and just that little bit, even if it's, you know, a hundred, hundred and twenty five dollars during a month. Yep. You know, when you space that out over twenty nine digital billboards and, and normally we're getting a little more than that per per face. Yes. You know, it, it does add to the bottom line. And it, and it that, all adds that's up. been nice. Yeah. Great. It does. You mentioned recently that buying easements is a priority for you next year. Why? My grandfather always said you can't control sales, but you can control expenses. Hmm. And having been in this chair that I'm in now for 10 full months, I definitely see how the expense creep can can creep up. And, and our goal is to not have our revenue increase the same amount as our, our expenses. And, and we feel like we're in a market where we can take advantage of going to different landowners and purchasing easements and, and paying them a you know a fair price up front mm-hmm. and to to save on lease money for the long term. And so we're setting some, you know, pretty pretty strong goals for this upcoming year. Mm-hmm. We're currently working on one right now that kind of fell into our laps that we mentioned to the guy. Hmm. Our lease a couple of years ago with this one gentleman actually doubled. Mm-hmm. And he's wanting to sell the piece of property, and and he wants the money from the easement. So we're you know we're working with him, and in in case whoever he sells it to wants to yep double the lease, then we we're protecting ourselves, and we we do feel like over time we can create a better bottom line, and and mm-hmm. and it's certainly leasing be being our number one kind of budget mm-hmm. item other than payroll. If we can get that uh, lowered a little bit, then that that goes a long way. Uh, it seems like, like uh, why it's so productive is it's a risk-free investment. If you buy an easement, you're going to get that, like you say, you're going to get that savings regardless of economic conditions. So it's really, truly a risk-free investment in the sense that you're going to get that regardless of the economy. How your digital billboards do, how a new sign does, going to go up and down, be incredibly volatile based on economic conditions. But your ability to save that lease cost is guaranteed. And that, that's why I, I completely agree with you. I think easement buys are a great priority, great use of funds, because uh, other things equal, the risk of an easement savings is much less than the, ri- the, the risk associated with regular out-of-home cash flow. And you're right about that. And, and just looking at our capital expenses that we have, a number of areas now we've kind of built out in the digitals and, and that capital, you know, we feel like, okay, well, we're not going to be able to build as many digitals as we used to. So let's take some of that money that, that would have gone towards building digitals that, that we're now kind of sold out and, and or zoned out on right now. And let's apply that money to saving on leases. So that's kind of that's kind of the mindset that, that we're going in with. And we don't know how well it's gonna go. We've talked we've we've kind of thrown it out there to some guys saying, Hey, would you be interested? And we've gotten a lot of positive feedback. So we feel like in two thousand twenty we should have some positive signs from that. Good. You spent several years as a sales manager for Allison. What mistakes do young sales reps make the most often? Well, billboards I feel like 
there's so much information that you have to kind of know about. I mean, one, one, you got to know your market. So you got to know where the billboards are and you got to have a firm understanding of, of where those are, who the people are coming down those roads are looking like. And I have found in the couple of hires that I've made, usually the first three months, people are excited and there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of opportunity, but they get a little bit bogged down because there's just so much detail that you have to know. You got to know the sizes of the boards, if it's illuminated, not illuminated. If you sell one, you got to make sure you got the right size production that you're going to be ordering and not mm-hmm. screw that up. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's just a lot of information and detail. Generally speaking, from what i found, sales reps aren't always the most detailed people. They just want to go out and try and sell the billboard. And, but you know, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. So (laughs) I would encourage anybody going in to, to not be, it's not getting burned out in the first three months, but it's almost a, Hey, do I have what it takes Mm -hmm. to, to get through this? And once you, once you start laying that down and and then it kind of gets a little more comfortable. I remember one of my first hires I made, he, he, he looked at me and he's a go-getter and he's still with us. And he said, man, when I get out there on the field, I'm going to sell all annual contracts. Yeah. They're all going to be on vinyl. <laughs> we'll never have to, you know, change it out. And, <laughs> and you know, within three months yeah. he was, you know, he was bogged down and, and he was getting kind of discouraged because yeah. of all the work that goes into it. And, Yep. So, but that, that, that would be one of the biggest things. If you can get over that, you know, first three to six months and kind of get your system down, then that'll go a long way. Mm-hmm. What was your most satisfying out of home sale? I recall one where it was a small kind of wine store and they actually made their own wine. They imported the grapes and, and I went in, made a cold call and he didn't have a, a, a lot of money to spend, but he flat out came out and said, I hate billboards. I don't like billboards. And he even, you know, said that he had actually torn one down somewhere in Florida because he didn't, he, he cut one down. And wow. I was like, well, wow. You know. But, but my, my favorite part about that is we were making some headway. And again, that you're talking about a 200, $225 a month contract that I was working on, but, but I laid everything out and I said, this is what we can do for this price. And then I put the pin down and I didn't say anything. And and it, it was one of those felt like 60 seconds to yeah. probably 10, 15 seconds. And yeah. He just grabbed the pin and signed it. And Is that he right? was a, he was a, he was a good customer for about two or three years. And then I think he, he closed, closed yeah. the doors or moved. But I, I think we made him a believer out of billboards for at least a couple of years. You know, it's like it's never over till it's over, is it? And no matter what, how, how it goes, it's never over till it's over. Well, the sales process, you that's why you just have to keep, I would tell our sales guys, you know, you're on a hamster wheel, really, which sounds a little bit depressing at times, but you just have to keep plugging away because there's nothing better than making a sale. I mean, especially if you generated it out of there was no interest and then you turn their minds around and then you end up building that where they go from one board to two to three and, you know, they're on annual contracts and they're they're all over the place and they're they're a believer. But sales, you just have to keep going, going back at it. And, you know, th- this month they might not need a billboard, but next month they might. Mm-hmm. And you just got to be consistent and get out there every day and work hard. And that's what we try and do 
here at Allison Outdoor. That's all for this week. Thanks for appearing on the show, Claude. Thanks, Dave. This podcast was edited by Lucas Jones and sponsored by Adomni. Adomni, increase your revenue today by listing your digital billboard on Adomni. You can listen to episodes of the Billboard Insider podcast by visiting billboardinsider.com or by subscribing to the Billboard Insider podcast on iTunes or any of the usual podcast outlets. Our email is billboardinsider at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in a couple weeks.